Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with Detox. I'm your host, Joshua, and on today's episode, I'm super excited to have my good friend, Nate Cole, on the podcast. Nate is a musician. He was part of a boy band called Plus One in the late 90s, early 2000s. But he is not on the show to talk about that. He's on the show to talk about his most recent record, I Will Guard Your Broken Bones, which came out a couple of months ago, and I think you're absolutely going to enjoy it. Uh, Before we get started, I do want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, if this is your first time listening to the Detox Podcast, welcome. I hope that you were able to sit back, relax, and detox from your life for 45 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour. Just enjoy the episode and get a window into how other people live their lives. If you have come back to the podcast, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope that if you do like this episode and this podcast, that you subscribe, you share it with a friend, you rate, review us. It really helps us out. Thank you so much. My conversation with Nate will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family, Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time for this very special episode 175. I'm pumped. I'm excited. We are not fighting in Paris. There are no bad beats here. Nate Cole, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. That's nice setup there. Thank you. Thank you. For There's no. We don't have any conflict. That's good to right. set the stage. We come in peace with right. each other. I will guard your broken bones, and that wow. is going to set up what we're talking about today. Which Nate Cole, for those who fast forwarded through the intro and who may not be familiar, maybe living under a rock, who knows? Nate Cole is a fantastic musician. He's a good friend of mine. I had him on my other show after the encore to do a deep dive of his career and his plus.
plus one days. And so now we're on the show, this show, Detox, to talk about your latest record, I Will Guard Your Broken Bones, which is fantastic. We're going to get into that. Um, and so, Nate, I, what I want to do to set the stage, though, here at the Detox Podcast, we are committed to making a more inclusive world by inviting people to just relax from the world, 45, 50 minutes, get a window into how other people live their lives, and then go make a more inclusive world. But I do want to ask you, as I ask so many other people when they come on, what are you currently detoxing from? Ooh, um, that's a good, that's a good question. I, um, well, I guess one thing that I'm doing to combat maybe other unhealthy habits that I have is, is exercising, which isn't the same as detoxing, but I guess in some ways it is. I'm kind of sweating out yeah. my, I'm sweating out my, both my actual, uh, like physical, you know, maybe indulgences that I, that I have, whether that be with like food or alcohol, I feel like I I'm put, putting things back into balance by kind of, you know, hustling and, and, um, using my body in ways that feels really healthy. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's been a focus of mine lately, um, is just that physical. Cause I, I've noticed in my life, like the, there, it kind of goes in tandem when you start to care about like what you eat or about like exercising, you it it actually opens you up in in other ways of your life to get healthy too right. you know um and a lot of the, a lot of times those things go hand in hand so i'm happy to be in a place where i'm, I'm at least putting the effort <laughs> towards that yeah what's good about moving moving our bodies i think we need to stimulate our minds and we need to stimulate our bodies. And sometimes they go hand in hand and sometimes they're separate. And I think we've yeah. all had a lot of opportunities to sit and think <laughs> over the last yeah. year uh, about yeah. what and everything that has transpired. Um, there's yeah. so much that has happened. Um, some good, some bad, a lot uncertain. And we're all trying to yeah. do our best to get through. So I think it becomes helpful to stimulate the rest of your being in a physical sense yeah. to really have that kind of cleansing moment physically, like you're sweating, you're, you're detoxing, right? But also you're, yeah. you're going through the motions of connecting with yourself in a different way than you previously yeah. had. And it's getting you one step closer to being your full authentic self, which brings us to today's sponsor of the podcast, which is Snuffy, which is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. Owner and operator of Snuffy is good friend of the podcast, Nick Silvestri. He designed the Detox podcast logo. So if you like it, you want to go support him, check it out, snuffy.co. All right. I'm getting better and better at these transitions. You know, it's just, it's over, over time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are Good. listening and like, I don't, what, what's, what's going on? What, what's happening? Okay. So <laughs> Nate, I'm excited to have you on the show today. I know I mentioned that already, but we've talked offline about your latest record and I want to spend the majority of our time digging into what it was like making the record, some anecdotes about the record, the partnership that you had with your friend Aaron, Aaron mm -hmm. making the record. Yep. And I was remembering like the, the, his, his, his Spotify name, which is different from like yeah, his yeah, yeah. real name. <laughs> right, right, right. His, his Spotify name is pronounced Espo. Right. 
which is a mixture of his first and last name, which right. is kind of like a cute junior high thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But I want to talk about that. And then I also kind of want to get your perspective on a few other topics. So let's just start right off the top. What was your thought process like when you approached this project for the first time? Mm, yeah, so it, the the pandemic had just had just hit, and what's interesting is both Aaron and I had worked on solo records previously to doing this this joint record, and I was thinking about recently how you know getting getting through a project like that, like our solo records, it's kind of like by the end you're you're exhausted creatively you know yeah. like it's it's like you're being carried across the finish line of, of a of a marathon you know um and so i think though what happened was we were you know we were given this sort of free time we couldn't we couldn't go and promote our solo records yeah. so we were i think i know personally i felt pretty lost in that in that experience like i i didn't have any sense of direction what what i could do with my do with that time and i know for there, there's no guilt in in needing to i mean in, in not doing something at that time because obviously it's an unprecedented thing whatever um but uh but for me i i was like really in search of meaning and for in in my life that's always been music and the way that i the uh, the thing that I feel I'm good at or I can contribute, you know. So I had I we I worked with Aaron on a song on my solo record um, called David Koresh Fan Club. Oh, so good, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was such a really cool process of working with him that it was just so smooth. It was so fast. It just felt like that the the dream kind of like quick burst of creativity that you rarely can can get you know right and so so i i had a few scraps of songs that i um had been working on you know every day i'll like put in a little bit of time trying to come up with ideas and um i had some that i felt like were worth finishing so i hit him up and then i think it was like a week later he sent me back all these amazing like horn arrangements on the song on on two songs and i was like dude, like, this is something special. Like, it felt like we were onto something. And so that's how it started. And it was in that beautiful way where there was no um, pressure for it to be more than that, you know? Yeah. We didn't say, we got to come up with 10 more of these now. Let's right. go, you know? Yeah. It was like, let's just see what happens. So we just followed that trail. And it was really great because that that sense of meaning or purpose was something that we kind of were able to give to each other. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's like, I mean, kind of became the theme of the record, really, yeah. uh, is that finding, finding connection through your relationships that give you a sense of purpose. Yeah. And even if it was just to like, I sent him a song and that brightened up his day right then and there, it was like enough to do that song. It was enough of a reason to make a song, you know? And uh, so yeah. that's kind of how it started. And we were sending files back and forth was the, physical process. So yeah, I don't bring, know how you, you bring which direction you want to go. You, yeah. You bring up an interesting point about the, the relationships and starting having a record that's about connections that we're forming mm -hmm. in a in, in a time where we are physically distanced from each other. And in a lot of cases, because of what was happening in 2020 and now in some ways spilling over to 2021 emotionally removed from each other and mm -hmm. 
to have yeah. a record that I, you put it so eloquently as well when you were typing out your description for the record about the mm. you c- coming across the the realization that someone wrote about the first signs of society are when you see a bone that has been mended over time. And yeah. So, and so yeah. be, because then that explains that there are caretakers and people caring for each other enough exactly, to mend yeah. broken bones. And yeah. so that, not the tools to survive, but the evidence of care is the, the definition of the beginning of society. And so taking that and applying it to your record in a time when people have are looking for these connections is powerful in a way that I, I don't think we've even yet to realize. And I think we're going to start looking yeah. back on it with different perspective, the further away we get from COVID-19, the election, yeah, yeah, everything yeah. going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm listening to the record, I'm consumed by this overwhelming sense of connections. I can feel it through. And I know I shared with you a connection that I had to the Fighting in Paris song. And it it mm-hmm. was deeply personal to me in a very specific way. And then it also made me feel connected to your story that you were writing mm. or Aaron's arrangement that he was putting mm-hmm. forth. And, and I think to slow it down, because your previous record was maybe... I don't want to, it was more upbeat in, in different spots and a little bit slower in other spots, but to have a record that's a lot more chill for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. I think was, was needed. So when, Mm. when did you get to the point where you decided this is what the record's going to be called? And this is, this is the, the mantra of the piece. Mm. Well, the the part that you're touching on in terms of sonically was first before sure. the theme sort of formed and became evident. Um, the the sonic part was largely due to the fact that I finally had found a partner who, because I love chill for for lack of a better word, chill. I, it's fine. It's, it's it is chill music. I love chill music, and I I've always been a ballad fan. I lo- like on a record, I'm looking for the ballad right away. Like give sure. me the give me that sweet ballad, and uh, and so you know I to do that in an interesting way is actually really difficult. Um, and you the the amount of of skill, and you know um, Aaron is a. Um, is a uh, like fully classically trained musician and he went he like he got his masters in trumpet which is a uh, like it's a he's in an avenue of music that is completely opposite of of mine you know I never sure. I never took that path and so it we became kind of yin and yang and it his ability to craft a song and make it interesting all the way through for an entire record um, without any huge production bells and whistles, um, made it possible. And so that, that was super exciting having that with him, because I would send him, you know, a really elementary style piano, uh, my, my version of the piano and like a vocal. And then it would come back to me like (laughs) Mozart or whatever, you know, whatever, like it come back to me (laughs) in this, like, and this really beautiful thing. I'm like, dude, what? Okay. Like I want more of that, you know? And, uh, so that I we also in terms of the um, themes and and lyrical themes and stories, that that kind of took shape also um, by 
having conversations with him during the whole process. So, um, you know, back to like the COVID, I, I just hate even the word COVID. I'm sorry, I I'm sorry but I'm, I, I guess I have to kind of use it. But, um, you know, the, the, the isolation, the impact of isolation, I, I, re- I heard recently on a podcast where isn't it funny that like the ultimate punishment that we give to somebody is solitary confinement? Like that's, it's literally like you have to be all by yourself. Yeah. And that is like the worst, for, it's like torture, you yeah. know? And so um, with that in mind, we made an effort to see each other. And I was working and I still do this. I work with this bread company, as you know. Right. And uh, I, I would work at the farmer's market selling bread. And uh, at the end of the market, there was there's once a week, it would be the evening and I would drop by his house with like a fresh loaf of bread. And then we would, you know, hang out in the parking lot and just talk. So we talked about the music we were making. Literally talking. breaking bread. It's kind of, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's kind of poetic. Um, but yeah, so we, we would be sharing with each other how we're going through this stuff. And he's a very sensitive guy. And I was really connecting with um, his experience and his story. And I wanted to like, be able to be some sort of remedy to it. And he was doing that for me. So it was a really shared, equal kind of give and take, you know. And so as that, as we're having these, like, and we were also going deep into like our, um, because we actually didn't know each other super well, you know. We were we were still kind of discovering our own friendship through this yeah. process too. And we realized we had so much in common with our upbringing. Uh, we were both like pastor's kids, you know. Right. And uh, so we both kind of had, we're, we're carrying, you know, some of the, I don't want to call it trauma, but like, you know, some of the, um, uh, the, the, you know. Um, it's hard, it's hard to, to say, cause it's like, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause it's like, yeah. it feels like, like the word is trauma or baggage, but that seems almost too yeah, heavy not, and not, not all it encompassing. Is For me it is. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, not yeah. encompassing of the good of all of it right like it's not it's more of like the the shared experiences of growing up in in this way which is very difficult to to relate to if you haven't been in it totally exactly and 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 my experience was not traumatic i would never use that word um and but i do think that some of the 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 concepts of like heaven and hell and knowing that as a child i think have been an enduring um uh, something kind of maybe running in my subconscious, sure. even though I, sure. I feel free of of those concepts. But I, I think that that is something that you could carry with you, and it's not necessarily a trauma, but it's 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 a it's it's kind of like a, a fuzz, you know, that's yeah. that's kind of buzzing a little bit. Yeah. And so we we both had had experienced that. I remember talking about that. So the record this record doesn't really go into detail on any of that, but it, it does touch it a little bit in the in the title track, which I kind of basically wrote as like a dedication to him. Um, and uh, I mean, that's kind of the whole re- the whole record is sort of like the very first song is called Droog, which. And uh, it's the Russian word for friend. So you say it like drug would be the more pr- proper <laughs> pronunciation. I can say because my wife is Ukrainian, she speaks Russian. So, um, But I wrote this for a friend, and he's a Russian friend of mine. And that sort of sets the precedent of like writing these love letters to friends who are going. And, and really, when you have that intimacy with somebody, you understand 
their their direct story and the points of pain, you know. Yeah. Um, so I found I found in writing songs for people, it was kind of like doing it for myself too. You know, you, you it's like therapy. You know, you're putting all yeah. this stuff into a song. And you're like, oh wait, that was actually kind of for me too. You know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of how the whole process formed. I like it. I remember you saying. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember when you and Aaron launched the record and you had like the IG live, I remember you talking about that. I believe you said your favorite track was three bedrooms, at least at the time. Mm -hmm. I think I remember you saying that. Mm -hmm. Can you give me, I've listened to it quite a bit and it feels Mm -hmm. personal. Can you provide some Mm -hmm. context behind the story of the, of the song or, Mm. or am I perhaps reading too much into it? Yeah. No, not, no, no. Yeah. I, like, I feel like that might not be a fan favorite. It's just like, you know, for some reason, for me, I had kind of set out, I did the podcast with you, which, you know, people can listen to. Um, and it was coming around the time of the 20, 20 year anniversary of this boy band that I was in called Plus One. Wait. And it took me a really long time to process that whole experience. And, I'm you know, I will for the rest of my life be processing that experience. Sure. Um, and I think doing that podcast with you was us was kind of a new mile marker in that ex- process for me, um, which I, you know, ca- kind of having a sense of pride over your past rather than like shame or, right. or like embarrassment or anything. I've like I feel like I've fully evolved from that level yeah. of pro- the process, and um, so. I had done that podcast with you. I did another thing with like a plus one fan club uh, Instagram interview. And so I had been thinking a lot about that time period in, in, a, in a way that I hadn't in a long time. You know, I don't, it's not often, I don't, I don't really love looking back all that much, sure. you know? Um, and so I was doing it in a way that felt really fun and exciting and, and I, and kind of appreciate with a new appreciation for what that time meant to me. Yeah. So I wanted to catch that in song because that was all happening while we're making the record. Oh, wow. yeah. And so it was just on my mind. And so this song, um, Three Bedrooms, I have, I have so the, the kind of hook of the line is three bedrooms, we only needed one. And uh, when when Plus One first started out, we literally all all five of us lived in a one bedroom apartment in San Francisco, and then in 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 the year two thousand, we moved to Nashville, Tennessee. So the song starts off the twenty first century in Nashville. It all began when someone kicked the ant hill. So for me, the ant hill kind of represents like everything I knew as a home, you know. And it's like somebody just comes in and disrupts right. that. And everything is new. We had to go scatter and like rebuild, you know, and find our own, find our own home. And uh, in a way, um, yeah, so I guess all that to say we ended up finding our own home, you know, and there, um, Nathan and Gabe, two other friends um, that were in that group with me, we really bonded over that period and we lived in an apartment together. And it was kind of like that time of like, I guess what it would be for college for somebody else where you're really exploring. You're exploring like your own identity, who you are, and you're kind of like dabbling with what you, figuring out what, yeah. y- how you see the world, you know? Yeah. And so some of that's really mischievous. Like there's a line in the song about a girl jumping out at the light, at a red light and like flashing us, right. you know? And like, that's like, I mean, what a beautiful, like, I'll remember that forever. Right. You know what I mean? Like. And, uh, and so I wanted like a sense of like kind of silly fun, yeah. like those kind of like 
you know, wild life moments mixed with like really deeply meaningful things that we experienced in that time. So I touch on that in all the little parts of the song, you know, like we cut, we're cutting each other's hair, which is like a really like intimate and like fun and just like, it was like punk rock. It was like aggress. It was like aggression was coming out. You know, we we're like giving each other like buzz cuts and stuff. And then like going to see shows is something um, that I, I've talked with you about and connecting with music on this level that feels otherworldly. It's it's like uh, it's spiritual in the sense that it could be not attached to yeah. a religion. You know, it feels like transformative. So or transcendent. And so. I, I shout out a band on there, Sigur Rós, who's this instrumental band from Iceland, and we all went and saw them. And you know, they don't they don't sing in English, and oftentimes there's no no words at all. And I remember that feeling of what would have what I only knew how to describe as the anointing mm-hmm. is what I would have grew up in church knowing. You know, yeah. like that's the anointing. You get goosebumps, yeah. you know, and you feel like wow, like this sense of of like. The humanity and life and everything is like unified and beautiful and yeah transcendent and so I had that experience in a secular setting a non-religious setting and that was really kind of um revelatory for me like something new a new experience that music could do that without being um just in direct singing to God or for God there could you could you could reach these levels in in ways through just sonics yeah. you know and that's kind of that ends up i mean i think i was hoping for that in our own music yeah to to m- the melodies carry a meaning and i and i think a lot about that um with aaron cuz i was listening to his solo record and there's no words and i i i listen to it and i feel a deep sense of meaning yeah it's like he is singing he is singing through his instrument and i hear it and i I, you know, I'm making it up, I'm sure, but there's got to be something in there that um, that he put in there that's hit, hitting my heart, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that was kind of a goal of ours. I, I think of this record as a duets record, you know? Yeah. It's like I'm singing with him. He might not be singing any words, but we're kind of equally important, you know? Absolutely. You know, you brought up yeah. several interesting points that I want to cover mm-hmm. for a second. So first of all, the, the idea, the concept of powerful, non-lyrical, instrumental-only albums, I (laughs) soundly rejected that idea for most of my life because I said, this is absurd. I need to know (laughs) what you're saying, like, without (laughs) words. Who does I was like, nothing's more boring. Sayonara. Get out of here. I was super rude. I've been there. However. I've been there. Yeah. Met my wife, who is the opposite, and mm. loved that. And she introduced me to Joshua Bell, who's a violinist, for those who may not know. And I listened mm. to this record, Romancing, I think it's called Romance, I almost said Romancing the Stone, totally different thing. Romancing, <laughs> I think it's Romancing the Violin. I'll double check that. Mm. And his mastery of the violin is such that I heard words where there mm. weren't any. Wow, yeah. And I got the the anointing, if you will, right? The goosebumps, <laughs> yeah. the feeling, and went, I didn't realize music could do this because I'd only been introduced to a certain type of instrumental music, not the wide range of instrumental music that exists in the universe. So mm-hmm. it is powerful. And when you talk about 
in this specific records concept, right? Aaron's voice and your voice and your duetting, you feel that. You can hear mm-hmm. that. It comes mm-hmm. through. And it is it is a duet's record, right? Because mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you can hear the the powerful voices. So that like I just had to share my own journey because it yeah, is yeah, yeah. when you have that realization, it's so powerful. Yeah. You talked about this time period of of college for sure. And I remember uh, you know, like late teens, early twenties, like that whole time period. And I remember being at college and it is, it is a, a moment. It is a series of moments of trying to understand who you are. You're clinging to what you've always known while trying to branch out into things you've never even understood or conversations right. or situations that you've not participated in before. And I don't even mean like, like scary Hollywood, sure. E true Hollywood story stuff. I just mean <laughs> like just I I lost count. I'm like shout out to my one of my best friends Tyler Watson who we were roommates in college and mm-hmm. I lost count of the times we would just walk around and we went to a small school in Brownwood Texas Howard Payne University and we would just walk around downtown Brownwood which shut down at like five o'clock in the evening but we'd walk around like late at night just talking about the universe. You could see the stars because there's nothing out there about our place in the world, Mm -hmm. listening to music. Often it was punk rock um, because 2006 and Mm -hmm. just figure out like, where do we even fit in this world? And it is, it is such an interesting time I think in our lives that we reflect on. And I think it is easy at times to, when we think about that period and then possibly before that period growing up, it is easy to, at times when things are difficult, look back on it with frustration or not look back on it at all and say, I'm only moving forward. However, I think as we get older, having the opportunity to look back with clarity and say, here's the goodness from that moment. Here's how I grew and here's how I've taken what I've learned and multiplied that to where I am now taking all these Big little time. micro moves or adjustments. And I think Big when time. we have that line of sight and perspective, it helps us not just digest, but absorb the goodness mm-hmm. and yeah. and move forward. It's like, uh, I, I talk about all the time, the, the Marie Kondo, she's got a show on Netflix, right? Uh-huh. Like, thank it for the good time, the good times and the goodness it brought you and, and then put it away what you don't need and then keep what you, yeah. what you do need. So, I think that's I fantastic. think about that a lot. I think about that a lot and um in in some ways I hope I'm embarrassed by something I say on this podcast. You know what I mean at some point. You know what I mean I, I think it, it, people forget they people don't appreciate the fact that that like looking back on the past and feeling a sense of like oh my god I can't believe I did that or said that that means that you're in a new place that means you've grown right, right. and it's like even even in the in the culture we're moving so fast now there are things that words you you would be embarrassing that I probably said in high school or whatever you know sure. that I sh- that I would be canceled for or, you know what I mean like I should should never be caught saying right. and it it just means that it, it, I mean and, and not in every case but in a lot of ways we should be embarrassed by our past it means that we've made some some type of growth yes. um and, and some type of progress and so I hope I hope that I can k- keep evolving in in that same same way you know I was struck by something interesting the other day, and it's been weighing on my mind quite a bit, honestly. So here, obviously, the theme of this podcast, we're talking about making a more inclusive world and how we can take 
the goodness of our experiences and our situations and work to make the world a, be- a little bit of a better place every single day. You know, I, I think it's, I- I'd love to get your perspective on this because it's it- it's so interesting. So for those who, who are listening and don't know, Nate and I talk fairly regularly and we, we have mm-hmm. these types of conversations and dialogues and I've not brought it up because it literally happened this week. And so I'm curious mm-hmm. to get your perspective on it as this is a form of therapy for me as I'm talking through this and will probably be embarrassed as I listen back at a later time. <laughs> However, so both of us grew up in the church, son, sons of, of pastors, and you know we've we've grown in different ways since then. And there was a, a a guy that I knew quite well that I, I grew up going to church with. He was one of the youth leaders, and now he, I think, pastors his own church or, or whatever. He's still in the Dallas area, and we're still connected on on Facebook. And he posted, he guessed, he was a guest pastor at somebody else's church. And so he posted the like YouTube video of his sermon. And so I went, oh, I wonder what this guy's up to now. I'm, I'm curious. And this is mm-hmm. what was really interesting to me. Uh, I'm putting my notebook down. I'm diving in on this. Mm-hmm. I loved the way this guy preached, like the way he spoke, the way he delivered, the way he presented, top-notch, fantastic. I pulled up the, the sermon and it was like, I had just heard him speak the other day. I mean, it was still like on point, like the way he was talking, the pauses, you know, the pauses, like you say something and then you wait. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you're working the crowd, right? And then, and you're delivering your message and your dramatic pauses, a little bit of laughs and then all this stuff. And he's going, but then I'm noticing, like I'm getting swept up in like the nostalgic factor at first. Like, oh, I remember when he did this and I remember this and I hope he's doing well. Then he's saying things that are contrary to what I believe now and things mm-hmm. that are contrary to what I'm teaching my kids. And an example, mm. he ta- he's talking about what is in a mindset. And he's talking about specifically like the mindset of being good to the earth and the earth provides for us and we want to take care of the earth while we're here. And he And I continue to say, we should, that my goal is to leave the earth better than I found it, that I want to put goodness out in the world physically and take care of the earth and, and do what I can my little bit in a sustainable way. And then also emotionally leave the world a better place mm-hmm. than I found it. And he talked about that exact way. And he used the phrase, leaving the earth better than you found it in a almost dismissive and derogatory way saying that the Hmm. goal here is not to worry about the earth. The earth is here to serve us humans, (laughs) Christians. The earth is here to take care of us. We shouldn't be laying down our lives for the earth. It doesn't do anything for us. We are here for a higher purpose. And it was almost a little, it was very, it felt very dismissive and egotistical and being used as if like, this is a bad thing. And then he talked about, um, you know, he talked about like transgender not using the word and how people are throwing throwing their quote unquote decisions in the face of God and and what a horrible mindset that is and so just on and on and on and on I brought up the sustainability one because that was the first one he brought up and it, yeah. it, it like caught my ear and so it's interesting I bring all of this as a, as a setup to say how can we and this isn't to solution right this is just a dialogue about but how can we start to 
have these type of conversations with people that we used to be in, in lockstep with. And mm-hmm. now we are on different paths with, mm-hmm. how can we still have the same dialogue? Because at the end of the day, we're both trying to care about people. However, the way in which we're going about it is different. And I'm, yeah. I thought I was closer to breaking through and having that dialogue, but seeing that from somebody that was arguably not that radical and still isn't made me think perhaps I'm further away from that, that common ground than I thought. And I'm not really yeah. even sure how to, how to start a dialogue anymore. Yeah. So that's, so let me just yeah. lay this like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like a, that's a, that's a, that's a problem that I maybe not, I'm going to be an expert on no, providing just, solutions. Just but dialogue, yeah, if we're just, yeah. Ta- if we're just talking, yeah, if we're just talking, which is good. We can think of it in that way. Um, you know, in my experience, the, in some ways, in order for, for anybody that is going to be on a far end of, of a topic, and you know that in advance, in some ways, don't ever talk about that topic with them, you know, and start, at least start that way. You have to have a trust with each other in a, in a reason. You don't want all, you know, if, if, especially if you're not already in, in a deep relationship with that person, you don't want to enter into it on the things that are going to be um, combative, right? Like you want to earn each other's trust. And that way, you know, you're not just there for an argument. And that's what I, I in my experience, like if I'm around somebody who is maybe like, uh, cons- like far end of con- being conservative, right? right? Like I find all the ways which we relate first, mm. you know, and, and I start there. And then because, you know, um, like what do I don't know a whole lot about um, climate change, you know, right. and I and I'm, the, the, it, I'm taking a lot of people's word for it that it's a serious issue, right? And I, and I believe it is, but like I have to understand that I'm not an expert on that. And when I'm talking with someone, I'm speaking from that place, right? Of kind right. of like some sense of humility that like I always have something to learn. Um, and I mean, it, it's hard because I'm so immersed in. Uh, I live in Los Angeles. Most of my circle is very, I would say, radical left to like moderate left. Right? Sure. I mean, I, there's not a lot. And like, you know, of course, my whole entire world is more ex- expansive in terms of like family. And when you go into right. different avenues, like I have, I'm exposed to a lot of different views, of course. But my my immediate circle, there there is something that is so condescending from the left that's like, you know, that very often looks down upon the other side as being like idiots and morons, you know, and not accepting the science and the, and, and and like, I I think there's just a way where we we could change our language around these things. And I mean, there, there's all, I mean, uh, another thought I'm having, I'm having too many thoughts at one time, but (laughs) I mean, another thought on this is that I do feel like the, um, Social media is obviously like total poison for for this for this whole reason of yeah. just dividing us into groups, and the so- social media, all these all these big corporations, they benefit from us fighting. You know, yeah. they 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 are incentivized to stir us up and get us clicking and engaging with these platforms because that makes them more money. Yes. You know, the more we fight, 
the more money they make, you know, and like it would be cool to be unified as people, you know, against these corporations that we think, you know, we don't like these. Everyone I know is like hates Instagram, you know, they they like have a a very they have they really hate being on there. They don't feel better after engaging with the platform. Right. They always feel worse. We're trying to learn how to like. Um, control and detox and, and right. control control our uh, habits with with these with these platforms and so um, that's definitely not helping and I think that people probably have more in common than they think they do and um, uh, like I remember a time before social media where you could have friends and never really talk about politics and, and yeah. there's a there's a case to be made that that's not good too right sure. like yeah. uh, or, or that there's you know something to be learned from that too like there, there's a probably happy medium balance there but um but in there general was, but there yeah. was a concerted yeah. effort to get to know the person you were talking to and find yeah. the relatable moments yeah. so that way when you yeah. had the moments that you disagreed on there was that built in that pre-existing relationship. Yes, yes, I think that's crucial to the to these to these co- topics. It is true. It just caught me by such a surprise that I yeah. went. It was both relatable and 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 I don't even. It was both relatable and not at the same time, and it was mm-hmm. such a weird feeling mm. to be nostalgic and concerned. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not in the same kind of concerned as like, wow, we really ate all of that shit in the 90s concern, but more of like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But more of like. But oh, just, yeah. But just really like, wow, I, I can't. I can't understand how to start this dialogue with him because he is so grounded in mm-hmm. what he was saying. And I know I know him. And if he's mm. still even a little bit like the guy that I really knew well, like 10, 12 years ago, then he's mm-hmm. more solid. And that's mm. not a bad thing, but it's just trying to, like, how can we expand that that thought process to where he and I can dialogue? And, you know, it's probably not me. Like, it's very likely I will never interact with him again. But... Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm thinking about him constantly now and it's and and thinking about how can I even start to have the dialogue. But but this is not to solve. It's more to say for those listening. Yeah, yeah. It's ongoing, yeah. It is ongoing. This is not a a weird one-off situation, right? There's situations like what I described finding ways to try and converse all across the globe and Yeah. And I think it's something we need to think about as we are thinking about trying to have connections in a world where we're physically distant from each other and emotionally distant from each other. It's nice to have a record that I can sit and think to like yours. So as we're (laughs) wrapping up this part of the show, bringing it back around, is there one last story or thought that you have about the record that we haven't covered yet? Hmm. Um, huh. There's, I mean, there, there are a few, I mean, I could I could get into like song specifics and things like that um, that are really meaningful to me. There's the there's the kind of like uh, I have Kelly Green and Kelly Blue. There are two yeah. songs on there, and it's for for the same person. And it's basically I had enough lyrics to that I couldn't fit into one song, so I <laughs> ended up being two. Um, but uh, I it was it was uh, I, I I made a 
effort to not reference anything about COVID or, or anything that in the music. Um, but, uh, the, but just being in the moment of this time, uh, I guess that could be a reference point for even those songs. But what was interesting was this, this person in my life, Kelly, um, was going through like, like moments of really like truly thriving as well, which is a unique thing. But, and I, and I realized in life, you know, the it's life isn't really like, um, a, a, like a season of a peak and then a season of valley. Oftentimes it's like a day of peaks and valleys. Like yes. you're or like an hour of peaks and valleys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And I like, do. and so, and, and I, I saw this kind of occurring with her. Like she had a lot of really exciting things in her life. She got a, a license to be a doula, which I didn't yeah. even really know too much what a, a doula was. They're awesome. Um, yeah. Which doulas are really, really exceptional people and do really cool work and they work with you know for for those who don't know i'm i think everyone who listens to your podcast probably does know <laughs> so i don't need to explain we it use the but... same doula for both both of my kids and then yeah. she's fantastic uh her name is Alyssa, cool. and she's great so yeah highly highly recommended cool yeah. cool so so i have a lyric in there where i say you're the babe and the doula too so um it's kind of like a, a double entendre where it's like I'm I'm she's the babe like she's the baby and she's the doula because she's like having a new birth right in yeah. her life of and but she's also like the babe because she's like you know like she's a, a smoking star. hot babe yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah so I, I that was like a song sort of in dedication and in in kind of you know just being a witness to someone who's while while you know she was like. I don't, I don't even need to go into all the details. It's kind of in the song, really. But um, it was like, you know, a, a railroad of, like, ups and downs all at once and how that was kind of exciting. And I don't know. I sent that out. as was, like, like I said, like a love letter. Um, and so, yeah, that was really meaningful. That's kind of kind of encapsulates the record for me. I ended it on a positive note, a song called New Eyes. And... That's kind of like to my wife and and um, I was thinking about it recently almost in, in relationship to my own mom who's like all, always really, she's been like a driving force of like ultra positivity for me and encouragement. And, you know, she always likes there to be a resolve of like a happy ending story, you know. And so I didn't want the record to end on a sad note. And we wrote this song as like the very last um, moment uh, to kind of close it up. And it's just to like, it has a sort of weight, like the record can be heavy at times. So we wanted this kind of a weightless yeah. essence at the end where you're just kind of floating in it. And it's like you uh, it, having all these experiences and seeing my friends having all these different hard and traumatizing experiences um, it's just a lesson that I kind of learned is that like having a grudge or, or being really self-judgmental or kind of playing the victim in, in a lot of ways, it just, it just doesn't benefit you or anyone around you, you know? And so I, it took effort for me to see myself as somebody who was actually really lucky and fortunate, you know, like, of course I could tell you a million things how I'm not lucky, but 
overall, I'm a total, I'm an incredibly just happen to be lucky person, you know, yeah. and and it takes effort to look for the for those reasons, and so that's the song. New eyes is kind of like seeing having a new perspective and looking outward more than inward, that which helps you care for others. Yeah, so that's that. One of my favorite things that I used to love to do and have not done it until recently in the Spotify age, as I'll call it, mm-hmm. is listen to an entire album, not on shuffle, not on repeat, straight through, start to finish in one setting. And mm-hmm. your record was the first one I had done that with in a mm. very long time. And nice. it was it was when you released it. And mm-hmm. I just put my headphones on, laid back, listened to it, let it sweep over me and or wash over me. Sweep over me makes it feel like I've got dirt on me and someone's brushed me <laughs> off. But wash over <laughs> me, right? And, and it was so good. And then my other favorite thing to do when I used to do that is listen to it again the next day and then the mm. next day. And then the next day, because if you used to buy the CD, you're like, I'm getting my money's worth. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna cr- I'm yeah, going to yeah, make yeah. myself love this. Even if I made a bad decision, shouldn't have bought Big that time. other Our yeah. Lady P CD. <laughs> I thought I loved all the Our Lady P CDs. Turns out I didn't like this one, but I'm going to make myself like it. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, but that was not the case here. I instantly loved it. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. But you discover so much new nuances each mm-hmm. time you consume a piece of art a new time and that record gives me something new each time. So oh, amazing. I love that. I mean, I told you and I'm not going to yeah. go into the story here cause it's deeply personal, but <laughs> when I listened to fighting in Paris and I was listening in the car, it hit me in just the right way. And I started crying. That is the power mm. that mm. music and art has over us. It transforms us to a time it is giving us a moment where we're both in the moment that we're consuming it and thinking about another moment in time. You're in two places at the same time, and then you're taking it into a new moment in time. Mm-hmm. And that's for great. anybody that's listening that has not like stopped and gone to listen to this album yet, I don't know what else I have to do to convince you. That's I appreciate that's that. Fantastic. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, that's sweet. With that, we are going to transition to the next part of the show, which is things to check out. So it is a segment where I will give a recommendation of somebody I'm reading and somebody I'm listening to, and I ask my guests to do the same thing. Mm. But I will go first. So who am I reading and who am I listening to? Well, what I'm reading is ever since um, that situation where I saw an old friend preaching, I've uh, gone back to a former guest on the show, Brian McLaren, just released a book not too long ago called Faith After Doubt. And it is about how does one who grew up in the Christian faith with a lot of this built-in religious-structured faith have faith after a period of doubt? What does that look like for you, whether it's still structured or whether it's more spiritual, whether it's non-confining? And it, it has helped me process a lot of these things that I'm going through. So I definitely highly recommend it for those that are listening. And then who who am I listening to? So cool. I will 
I will uh, point out, I did confirm, it's romance of the violin, not romancing the violin, which makes way more sense. Romancing the violin okay. sounds like a different thing. Um, but Romance of the Violin by Joshua Bell. Definitely go check it out. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> and um, But I do like to give a podcast recommendation. So nice. I am currently listening to, um, I know I've mentioned it before, American Prodigies. Season one, they covered Freddie Adu who is a soccer player, was a soccer player. He's still alive, Hmm. but he's sort of retired now, was a soccer player in America. This season, which they just kicked off this this week, covers Ken Griffey Jr. So this season is all about Ken Griffey Jr. and the 90s and what happened to him. And how do you have a legacy where everybody knows who you are and then you seemingly drop off the face of the planet like a decade later? So it's really Hmm. interesting. Um... And I'm super fascinated because I don't think that I've actually followed baseball ever since Ken Griffey Jr. retired. So this is really interesting. So, Nate, who are you reading and who are you listening to? Man, um, well, I'm not really reading anything at the moment. I have like a, I have a, a, a wish list of, of, of books, but I, I haven't had the capacity to or, or patience, I guess, to sit with something um and read in a in a little minute. So I do listen to podcasts though. Um uh one of my favorite podcasts is uh is called Making Sense. It's by Sam Harris. He's a he's a he was a neuroscientist, he's a philosopher, he um he he's somebody that is has made a lot of sense to me and kind of helped kind of put words to my own intuitions and feelings I've had and also just like discovery he he brings on a lot of different guests so it it can it can be a pretty like a a pretty diverse range of topics um and i like that i like i like this other guy lex friedman that i've just come across recently um he's like a tender soul but he like works he like works in ai i think he's like engineer i don't know it's it's kind of like over my head type um stuff but he brings on guests and he's able to 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 speak in a really kind of um language that i connect with um yeah so those are some podcasts i musically like you said like the the instrumental thing it's i actually it's actually very new to me to enjoy it and appreciate it at the level i'm at with it currently um there is a pianist who's Polish, I believe, and her name is Hania Rani. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's H-A-N-I-A, last name R-A-N-I. And she's just uh, makes beautiful instrumental piano music. So I've been listening to that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I jump around a lot. Like I, I, I've been listening, I think my, my, my two things I'm listening to is like in, instrumental, chill, like cinematic, like tender, intimate, beautiful music. And then like, I listen to old country music a lot. That's like my two zones. Which, uh, which artist? I got to ask. Oh, country music? Yeah. My, my, my all time fave is George Jones. Oh, yes. He's just, his voice just gets me. It's and, uh, so uh, yeah, so I love a lot of that. I, you know, it's funny. I, um, I mean, yeah. So George Jones is my ultimate. There's so, several others in there. I've been trying to like, I've I've forced myself to like listen to new country just to like know what it is and sure. what like just to kind of like what what is cool to people right now that listen to country music. It's been a lot of misses, <laughs> um, but a couple things I've connected with. 
Um, but oh, I, what I was gonna say about uh, like country music, my my grandpa was a songwriter, and he has uh, his songs have been recorded by some of my favorites. So George Jones actually even recorded one of his songs. Um, Merle Haggard, oh yeah, recorded one of his songs. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, Johnny Cash recorded one of his songs. So I've I'm kind of on this hunt now where I'm trying to collect like physical pieces of those covers. Um, and I, I just recently found, um, I went on a little trip for my wife and I's an anniversary to Morro Bay, which is just like a little seaside town north of LA. And uh, I went into like old antique shop and there was this cassette, I have it here, is of um, Elvis Presley. He did a gospel record called His Hand in Mine. I remember that record. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a, The cover art is really, really cool. I like yeah. it a lot. Um, but anyway, Elvis recorded my uh, grandpa's song called Mansion Over the Hilltop, and I found a cassette, and I have the vinyl, so now I have cassette and vinyl. Which oh, is that's fun. awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. You're like, you're like connecting with him in a, I am, in a physical yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's something I'm going to be exploring, I think, more and more is... Yeah, I, I would. I would love to be closer to like I. I he died when I, I think I was like eleven years old. Yeah, and uh, so I didn't really get to, you know, ask all the questions you'd want to ask or whatever. Right. Um, but he wrote. He wrote it like a autobiography, and there's some stuff out there to dig into, you know. So I'm. I've, I'm doing that. That's yeah. awesome. Like that is yeah. so cool. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just like continuing to learn more and more and more. And it's oh, cool. That's so like, yeah, that's I mean, I, I've ta I know that I've talked about this before, but it's like every single piece of podcast or thing that I do that I just like this year, I think because it was 2020 and I was like uh, uncertainty out the wazoo. But I've like got mm -hmm. um, downloaded any piece of any recording or anything that I'm doing, I've centralized all of it because I'm like, whenever I go, I want my kids to be able to like know who I was, know what was on my mind, know who I was talking to, can go and explore and be like, wow, he really talked about, you know, this guy, Nate Cole a lot. Let me dig into him. Like what's his, <laughs> yeah. music? What, you yeah. know, just like whatever, right? Like get into my mind yeah. a little bit because, you know, we weren't, there's so much that we weren't able to do that we are now. I'm like, let me mm -hmm. leave a little bit of my, myself digitally for others to like get it's to beautiful know. so yeah oh, that's precious love i love it well uh i don't know how quite how to segue into this but the last part of our show is the dad joke of the week so it's dad the, joke oh right i forgot there's a dad <laughs> shoot i didn't prepare okay. for this it's okay I yeah so i, I gotta one. do my spiel so it is a segment where i hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans but i can't hear the audience i can only hear my guests so it works out for me i do like to put my guest on the spot nate i know the answer but do you have any jokes you would like to offer up today shoot i man um, man, I, I, I really, I'm not good at like reciting jokes at all. I, um, I immediately just started thinking of my dad and how I actually think my dad is really funny. <laughs> um, one, uh, this is just going to be an anecdote, but like one thing my dad does to this day is when he says something funny and, and like he gets a laugh. He does this thing where he like circles around and like reminds everybody or like makes sure everyone heard the joke, you know, <laughs> like, like, uh, did you see like what I said was, you know, and then like kind of redoes it, <laughs> which I think is really, it's like, that's a very dad kind of thing. It is. 
It is. So, oh. um, but I don't. I don't have an actual <laughs> joke. But I love. I do love dad humor, and and I appreciate dads for right. sure, big time. All right. Well, Nate. Um... <laughs> You're gonna go. You got one for me. Yeah, yeah. I got. I've got I'm a few. Scared. I've got a few. I'm scared. So I wanted to let you know that uh, my printer's name. Uh, I named it. Uh, see, it's Bob Marley, because it's always jamming. Wow. Wow. Right. That's a good one. Yeah. Jamming. Um, you know, uh, this furniture store keeps calling me every single day. All I wanted was one nightstand. <laughs> they keep calling me. They keep calling me. All right, last one. Hey, did I tell you the time that I fell in love during a backflip? No. I was heels overhead. Heels <laughs> over. Heels over. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Nate, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best yes. way for them to do that? Uh, currently it's Instagram. Um, I'm, I think that's really the only place I'd actually, I'm, I'm working on setting up like a, a newsletter or like an email. Oh, that would be dope. Um, subscription just because, you know, who knows how long Instagram will even be a thing. Right. And I would like to be able to just like connect with people that care like in a directly. way that's, yeah, I could do like exclusives or just like check in with people. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on setting that up. But in the meantime, Instagram is it. Also, I just recently discovered that it's, it actually is really beneficial for artists if you follow them on on Spotify, if you use Spotify. Yep. Um, because following the artists really is another way to make sure that when an artist puts out music, you're going to find out about it. Yep. Um, they really help artists in that way. Like, you know, I don't want to give them too much credit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you're right. But yeah. 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 It is one way, like, if you care about, like, w- whatever output I have, uh, if you follow me on Spotify, click the f- smash that follow button, y'all. <laughs> like and subscribe. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But my, uh, my yeah, Nate Cole, uh, Nate underscore Cole is my Instagram. And you can just search Nate Cole on all the streaming platforms to find me. Very nice so you say your instagram yeah yeah you said your instagram handle we got spotify yeah. all right cool all right yeah nate thank you so much for coming on the show this has been thank you awesome. so much always enjoyed chatting and it's nice to record one of our like regular conversations and just like the context yeah. of a of a podcast is like a moment a moment in time yeah i love that a moment I love that. like this no <laughs> i no i think it's i think it's really good man and i uh it felt more low stakes in a in a good way you yes know? Like Definitely. I was, I didn't feel nervous. It's <laughs> good. It's just oh, good. I do have to, for those who are listening who may not have caught it, if you want to hear Nate's deep dive into plus one that we were talking about earlier, go listen to After the Encore. You would have heard a promo for After the Encore before the start of this segment. So go look Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to podcasts at it's After the Encore. You can check it out. Volume three, Dirty Pop. We went into all boy bands, not just plus one. But Nate's episode of his deep dive with Plus One is all there. You can go check it out. It's great. So, Nate, thank you so much. I really thank appreciate Thank you so it. much, Joe. Yeah. And listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. 
Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.